0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bear Books. It's a flash fiction episode. I'm April Berry.
1: And I'm Daisy Ray.
0: Uh, yours truly has had a very stressful time, so at least you can hear me now. Uh, so we've got a couple of stories, one written by Daisy, which she is going to read, and another one submitted by a brand new author, Sue Haywood, which I'm going to read out for you.
1: The prompt is The Bureau. And can't you tell April's got a voice back She you can't shut her up now?
0: <laughs> Never mind. I'm actually quite sorry that I've not been able to do a story for this one, but I rest assured I will be doing a story for our anthology, which will be out around about November, ready in time for Christmas. Yes, I've said the C word. Get those orders in early. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, enough of my rattling on, you are right. I have got my voice back and can rattle away with the best of them. So let's have a listen, Daisy, to your story. I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Excellent. This one is called You're Fired by Daisy Ray. Good morning, Sandra. Help yourself to a coffee and I'll get started. I like you, Sandra. I honestly do. You've been a major part of the Bureau for as long as I can remember. You've been responsible for more hits than any other agent out there, and no one on Sivvy Street would ever suspect you of being anything other than the mousy librarian they see before them. And on a more personal note, you've become one of my closest friends. We go out to dinner together with our families every Friday night, for goodness sake. You godmother to my Amy. But in truth, Sandra... Friendship only goes so far and business is business. We have pored over every conceivable scenario, turned over every case you've performed over the years and we just can't think of a good reason to keep you any longer. All the research we've conducted behind closed doors over this last year suggests that your position as Chief Assassin can be more efficiently performed by a man. I can see from the shocked look on your face, Sandra, that this is hard for you to hear which is why we are relieving you of your duties effective immediately. We'll make an announcement to the rest of the team later today, and the Bureau believes that in time you will accept that this decision is in the best interest of the Bureau. In your present state of what looks like increasing anger and agitation, you're probably wondering what makes a man so much better. The Bureau has never employed a man before in the entire history of the company. Well, the answer is... We see a man as a more efficient, less emotional version of you. We believe he'll perform consistently. He already shows a unique adeptness at undercover work. He infiltrates targets of the opposite sex with no qualms about sleeping with them. He won't need to worry about unwanted pregnancies or the time of the month days off for cramps. What we're talking about here is someone who can give 100% of his time to the Bureau and not break down in tears at the drop of a hat. Stephen, your replacement, has proven himself to be quite the workaholic already. A complete powerhouse. It's a never-ending cycle of productivity with this guy. His body count is impressive, to say the least. We don't even need to think about disposal. It's all part of the job with this guy. He has no wife, no kids, no embarrassing, impending menopause lurking in the future. We can't think of any good reason, well, no reason at all, actually, good or bad, that would stop us employing our first male assassin. He completes his assignment at an astounding rate. You simply couldn't compete. Let's say he wanted to make love to your wife. He could do that in a quarter of the time you take, with half the effort, none of the apparatus, and twice the satisfaction for her from all accounts. Not that I listen to gossip. Look, Sandra... I can see this is hard for you to hear. It's not every day you're told that your career, on which your entire sense of self-worth hinges, can be done better by a man. I can see the devastation in your eyes, thinly veiled by fury, if you don't mind me saying. But take solace, because things really can't get much worse than they are right now. The only way is up. You can leave this month's ID with Jenny in HR before you leave and drop all weaponry in with Joe at the armoury. Oh. And Sandra, just in case you suspect that this is some sort of scheming, vindictive act on my part, trust me when I say that this decision has nothing to do with you sleeping with my sister last year. Absolutely nothing to do with it at all. Sandra, Sandra, let's just calm down. Think about it. If you pull that trigger, there's no going back. Sandra, sa...
0: That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So quirky. It made me want to laugh. I kind of could see where it was going, but it it was just so fast-paced. I really... I think that's one of your better stories. Thank you. It was just... Where did you dream that up from? Mind you, no, no. Knowing your turn of mind, I'm not surprised you came up with something like that at all.
1: I do like a little bit of a psychological twist. And when we started getting applications in for this writing prompt they were mainly for actual writing bureaus yeah so i thought well i'll do something completely opposite then because i was thinking about one about a writing bureau and then i thought well maybe not then because if they are all about that let's have something a little bit different you know like when you're on facebook and everything's scrolling past and your news feed is full of loads of rubbish you never asked to look at yeah There was like this really old clip from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Do you remember? They were both assassins.
0: Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that was, um, it was Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, weren't it?
1: Yes, when they first got together. Yeah. What sparked their relationship or whatever. But I saw that and I was thinking about doing like FBI type stuff anyway. And then I thought, well, oh, hang on.
0: I'm glad you did. That was rather good.
1: I didn't set any scenes and I didn't, give my characters a conversation as such it was all from one conversation one point of view and you had to take the entire story and all the implications of what was happening from one person's dialogue
0: and I think that is what I liked about it and and there, were, there was no chance for any anybody else it was really really good I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you well let's go complete opposite then and listen to you read Sue Hayward's story called the Bureau.
0: Euro by Sue Hayward. I thought that I would walk round Nottingham to do a bit of shopping. I passed an antique shop. The window had character and was very oldie world looking. So I went inside. It was just like an Aladdin's cave with ornaments and trinkets all over. I followed the path around the shop, hoping that I wouldn't knock anything over because, as the sign said, breakages must be paid for. I walked towards an alcove and there was a bureau. A bulb was on above so that customers could have a good look. The bureau had a typically angled top which opened downwards to form a writing desk and it had four drawers underneath. Wow! I must have it, I said aloud. I haggled the price down to 150 pound with free delivery thrown in. So now all I had to do was go home and tell my husband. I had arranged to meet up with friends for something to eat afterwards, and I told them what I had bought. You're crazy, they both said in unison. That as may be, I replied, but I wasn't going to change my mind. That evening Ian and my husband got home from work and asked in his usual offhand tone, how has your day been? Okay, bought I replied, go on, he insisted. I bought myself a writing bureau, I said. And where are we gonna put the darn thing? The littlest of things would set Ian off nowadays. It was like living with a ticking time bomb. The next day the delivery driver arrived with my bureau. Careful, I said, as we wrestled it into the living room. Once it was in place, I gave the driver a tip for his trouble. I made myself a cuppa and started to explore my new bureau, pulling down the desk and rooting through its nooks and crannies within. I then opened the drawers. The top three were easy to open, but the bottom drawer had got stuck somehow. I got down on my hands and knees and eventually got it open. Some papers were showing, so I gradually pushed my hand inside and eased the papers out slowly, hoping they wouldn't tear. I breathed a sigh of relief as they came out in one piece. I sat back and stared at them in my hand. They were receipts and papers of some kind, and to have been hidden, they must have been of some importance to someone. I finished my drink and sat down to inspect the papers. What I was reading made me think a trip back to the shop was in order. Stuffing them in my bag, off I went. This time, the shop owner was very unhelpful, saying because of data protection, he couldn't tell me any information on where it had come from. It made me feel silly, so I left the shop in a hurry. I grabbed myself a coffee and made my way to the library, asking the librarian if I could use the microfiche reader as I wanted to know more about the bureau. It took me a while, but I found that there had been a recent theft within the area and a bureau of significant value was stolen, and more importantly, that the family wanted it back if it was found. There was a grainy picture of the bureau, which did look very similar to mine. After I finished at the library, I took a very slow walk home. I should ask for some advice as to what I should do, as I really wanted to keep it, but was it really mine to keep? Over tea, I asked Ian and his reply was, just keep the damn thing and stop harping on woman. Honestly, whatever did I see in him? We finished our tea in silence. After Ian left for work the next day, I got my phone and contacted the original owner of the bureau. He seemed a little dubious to start off with, but when I explained I had bought the bureau, he listened intently and we arranged a place to meet that day. I was a little nervous as to whether I was doing the right thing. The time came and I met up with the original owner, a Mr. Davis, in the park. He put me at ease when he told me to call him John. I told him where I had bought the bureau and what I had found within the drawers. Maybe I was silly, but John was insistent that I take him back to my house and show him the bureau. It's my family heirloom, he added quickly and offered me 200 pound, which I reluctantly agreed to because after all, it was going back to the owners, wasn't it? And off my bureau went. The next day I received a phone call from a Mr. Smythe, a solicitor representing the Thornton family, and they believed that I had acquired the bureau illegally. I was asked if I had still got it, and the answer was no, as I'd sold it on. Why didn't I check that I'd given it to the rightful owner? What have I done?
1: It is nice to have alternative views for the same writing prompt. It's one of the smartest things, I think, about having a writing prompt, because no two people ever look at it the same, even when it's like a one-word prompt.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I love our flash fiction. And that story from Sue, well, it made me think about somebody that that is a bit skittish, that does things on impulse. Yeah. And then kind of maybe reflects on, should I really have done that? And husband sounds a right piece of work. I'd have kicked him out a long time ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, implied in the story is the fact that it's... A fairly new concept that the husband is a bit of a pain in the arse right now. So maybe he's going through some tough times and we don't know about it. Maybe he'll come out the other side.
0: Or maybe he'll get dumped. Who knows? Who knows? You see, that's really funny, that is the difference between the two stories, whereas yours didn't really prompt us having any sort of thoughts about, oh, well, what happened? Where did it? It was bang, 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 bang. And then she just shot her boss.
1: <laughs> As you do.
0: But the one that Sue's written has, has prompted us to ask about the background. So it's, it's how, how people write stories.
1: I think so. Sue's is like happenings. So you're going browsing around the shops, you're working your way around the pathways inside the antique shop or the older worldy place where she finds the bureau. You can just imagine the smells and the sights and the sounds inside the shop while she's browsing. I love a musty old like Granny's Attic-type shop myself. There's so much stuff in them. Yeah. Thank you very much to Sue for sending that in for us and thank you, April, for giving it a good read on her behalf. So, what we have got coming up next time?
0: Right, well, we've got a a book review coming up next time uh, and it's a book that, I have got to say, conversations that we've had off the podcast that we both like.
1: We do, yeah. It's called Rapid Eye Movement and it was written by Amanda Sheridan And we were just talking, actually, about the beginning of the book and how good that was, because it was quite gripping. April really enjoyed that, didn't you?
0: I did, yeah. It was what, the first chapter, it was what got me into a book. And I've got to say, I am a little bit fickle like that when I read books, because if I don't like the first chapter, I just put the book down and forget all about it. I I don't like it when it's long and it's drawn out and it's trying to build up to something. Give me something to get my teeth into, and I'll continue to read your book.
1: Well... You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) Give us something to get her teeth into. Well, this is a good book by Amanda Sheridan. I'm about halfway through it at this current moment in time and I'm really enjoying it.
0: Save it for the podcast next time.
1: (laughs) Okay. Join us next time on the 30th of this month.
0: Okay, see you next time.
1: Take care. (laughs) Before we let you go, here's a quick reminder of three very special bite-sized episodes of the podcast coming out at the end of this month.
0: As everybody knows, we went to an evening with the uh, creative friends of Copper Cogs on the 11th of April. And Daisy and I, we talked about our podcast and we talked about the flash fiction and we got audience participation to write us stories and what we said on the night was we would pick the best three of those stories and we would make a bonus episode. So we've picked our favourite three, which, believe you me, wasn't easy because we're both so completely different. True
1: words. Each story that is our favourite is going to go out one at a time. So you will have your very own bare books, bite size episode. One will be on the 24th of May. One will be on the 25th of May and the final one on the 26th of May. And we're not going to tell you who those three are. You'll have to wait and see and tune in, won't you?
0: And what we want you to do is when you've listened to them, we want you to go on Twitter and we want to hear your thoughts about them. We are Bear Books Pod 1, but we do want to know what you thought about them. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or if you
1: want to send in your stories, email us at submissions at beerbooks.co.uk